Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello, everybody. My name is Neil White. I'm from Backpage. You're listening to the big interview with Graham Hunter at the Euros. Graham Hunter, incidentally, is on the other end of the line from London, England, where you're going to be covering the semi-finals of this fantastic tournament. How's things down there? It's uh, raining, but not as they used to say, in my heart. I think that was uh, Buddy Holly. And I like to think that we're all buddies on this show. Um, it's, it's really mochi. Uh, which is a word mocking we used to use in the northeast when I was a kid in the sixties, and it would d- describe a day which was grey and damp. And it was only when I moved to Spain that I realised that we met somehow in Aberdeen. We, the whole town had obviously gone on a holiday to Spain in the sixteen hundreds, and nicked the word mojado because mojado mojado means damp. Um, uh, so it's a mochi day today, and and it's almost as if the world is crying. England's hubris. We'll get onto that very quickly. I wanted to ask you before we get onto the questions that have come in from our socios at patreon.com forward slash game hunter. And thank you so much for sending in a ton of questions before this show. Really appreciate it, guys. The Armada has it arrived yet. Have the Spanish team come over? Are they traveling today? What's their what's their status as we speak? They got in one of them big old jumbo jets and they flew from St. Peter's Mountain to um, Madrid, landing at 6am on Saturday morning. They all went to their scratchers um, and, you know, drank fruit pulp and, you know, played badminton or something like that, which is how you rehabilitate these days. Trained at Las Rosas, half an hour outside Madrid. Their HQ at about uh, 7-ish last night, Spain time. They will work out this morning, again at Las Rosas, after which there are, there's a press conference with, with Oyarzabal and various individual interviews that have been pactado, as they say, agreed between the powerful media in Spain, one or two international media too, some of the players. I know the, player, the, the players have been brilliant this tournament about speaking to us. Um, but I know that they're they're tired, not tired of the media, not yet, you know, uh, up to their chin with the, the, the what would you call it, the quixotic nature of the media. We love you, you're rubbish. We love you, you're rubbish. You're the best in the world, you're crap. They're not even up, they're just a little, they just like a little bit of time where they've got absolutely nothing to do in their downtime. Because it's demand after demand people need to realize that on top of all the the training and playing they've been doing gym work they've been measured for suits they've been in a team photo in their suits they've been um presenting various different sponsor stuff they've seen umpteen videos for example diario as this morning is claiming that spain won the most prepared penalty shootout in the history of the game which may or may not be true 
but it, it speaks a little bit to how much work goes on and uh, uh, it's it's a demanding environment there's certainly not boredom there's a really good atmosphere but just that little bit of downtime so they um sleep sunday night in spain after which and what's going to happen then is and i'll read you from exactly their schedule um they're gonna take a five o'clock london time flight to britain and then at quarter to eight london time there'll be the traditional uh, Luis Enrique plus a player, who's Pedri, uh, press conference, which would suggest that Pedri's playing again. And that re- leads us right into the morning of the match at Wembley against Italy. And um, apart from their inside leg measurements, that's that's all I've got to give you. We're going to come back to Spain in the last segment of the show, but let's move to where the socios at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter wish us to be. Um, we'll start with England. Jake Garlick, hello and thank you, Jake, asks... Is football coming home? Do you mean, Jake, are England going to win the tournament? There is a damn good chance of it because they play the next two matches, in inverted commas, at Wembley. It was really interesting. Denmark, was a, we could devote the whole programme to Denmark and, and the wit with which they play their pass and their chance creation. How disappointed I am with Mark Brathwaite's form. Um, he, he seems to be tripping over his own feet at the moment, which is not what I hope for, for a guy who's been learning all season under Enric Larson. They should be tournament favourites now. And I don't mean the bookies. I mean, they sh- I think they should be our favourites because they've grown up, they're playing a different brand of football. I think a large part of yesterday was Ukraine, who were flat, who aren't very good. Spain beat them 4-0 in the in the groups recently. Apart from losing away from home, but at home, Spain also beat them 4-0. And, and I think that Ukraine were are, are just not all that good. They'd punched above their weight to get this far. They ran their legs off against Sweden and they weren't great competitors last night. That's not to detract from what was exactly the right performance from England. When you get a team like that, you you, you cough them. You, you push them about, you exploit them and you don't let them off the hook. And, and, I, and I don't think England really put a single foot wrong in any department. Anything you can say about them, tactically, physically, goal-taking, aggression, concentration. It was, you know, as near as damn it, the perfect performance. So, Jakey boy... I think Spain could beat them if they got that far, but they've got to get through the semi-final. So if you want to say to yourself in the mirror, I don't care what Graham thinks, this is coming home, baby, then you go right ahead, Mr G. Related subject from Sean O'Keefe, how can I avoid all English media for possibly the next three years? I think hide in plain sight. I think the idea would be to, by Wednesday when they play, be the sports editor of the Telegraph or the Times. And therefore you'll immerse yourself in it totally and you'll feel part of it, Sean, rather than feeling angry and excluded and, and, and howling at, at the moon. I, I know that's an obvious solution. I'm <clears throat> sorry for just going for the homespun remedy. Look, engage with them. Engage with them and either pretend to join them and like them or get all Rabsi Nesbitt. And, and Sean, with your name, you may not be Scottish. You may be from another uh, part of these islands, either north or south. But... You know, how at the moon support somebody else, you know, eat nothing but Danish bacon from now to kick off or, I don't know, whistle y viva España. Choose your own remedy, but there are three there I've laid out for you. Editorial um, position by Wednesday morning of one of the English um, tabloids. That, that, I'd say again, it's the obvious one, but it was stupid of me to miss it out. Join, love them, uh, paint your face, think about St George in a sexual way. And um, or ultimately just howl at the moon and, 
and and support everybody but them. And and that's that's a fan. That's an array of that's an armory of suggestions. Sure. Kind of related again, James Atkinson, although on a more serious note, not being cheeky, I promise, but any chance we could hear G give both barrels to those in England who soiled themselves over English players taking a knee, nauseating to see certain political figures now claiming to be supporting a team who also suggested booing them a couple of weeks ago. The hypocrisy is everywhere. There's booing and whistling and one has been wrong-headed, ill-founded from the start. And and people who do that, again, were at my uh, amiable uh, dictatorship, people like that would be jailed. They'd be lifted in the night and they'd be jailed and they'd be given therapy. And beyond that, um, the hypocrisy of people who are like, you know, these, these, these rotters, these imps who take the knee and it's a socialist plot and I'm against it. And, wow, I love England now and these brave boys. The, the key thing is this. You know, I am neither Afro-Caribbean or African-American. I, I don't have, you know, I have the, the, the skin colour and the privileges that I was born with and I haven't feel what um, what those who are prejudiced against and those who, who find themselves caught up in a system which seems to be designed to, to hurt them, to rob them of um, dignity, to rob them of education and... and who the police undoubtedly treat differently. But nonetheless, that doesn't deprive me of the right to say, I see what's happening. And it, it, it won't make me opposed in any way to, to men or women who are black, who say, right, take the knee is, is, is now not enough, or uh, you know, I'm not... Celeste, who was Ferdinand, who was part of this, said, look, I need, I, we need to move on. I need different things to happen. That's, that's fine. I was... Because I'm in a different country preparing to cover a different game, I had to watch it on television rather than be in Rome last night. And when that television screen, that giant television screen in which I was watching it, the game paused in Rome for the England players to kneel. It just, it, it was, I get caught up. And, and it, to, it did to me, never mind to other people who are, not to, con, to convert and convince the racists, but to make those in the world who are unaware or inactive go, oh, what was that about? Oh, taking the knee is a stance against, all right, it's a small wedge to open the door. It's a small way of beginning to say, there is an issue. This is how you learn about it. And hopefully in due course, this is how you should feel about it, which is justice and involvement and re-education of others once you become a little bit more aware. It impacted on me last night that they did that against a, a country whereby I know... Black footballers go to Ukraine and they have a very hard time of it. They did it in a nation where I don't think Italy has the best um, approach to, to, to racism or the way that racism uh, rears its ugly head in, in sport either. I'm glad they did it. And for those who simply um, now want to jump on the, the bandwagon because England look exciting and there's something really proud of, listen to Southgate. Southgate says it with decency, with, with calm with articulacy, and he's got it right. Whatever he does from now for the rest of his life, life as a coach, the towering achievement, in my opinion, above and beyond the way he's made this team play or the way in which he's managed this team, is is not only the stance he's taken in this issue, but the way in which he's talked about it and the support he's given his footballers. Stephen Walsh, finally, on England. I would like to know Graham's view on Jane Sancho not playing as often as expected and what he can bring to the Premier League 
next year. Uh, well, she, I'll take the second one first because it, it's evident that this is um, an ultra-confident, explosive footballer and that's what Manchester City thought of him when they tried and failed to renew him and he went to Dortmund. It, it's evident that we're going to get somebody who draws our gaze because he has the technical gifts to go with his imagination. It, it, it's obvious to my, from the little I've been able to watch him at Dortmund, which I'm certain included watching him live in a Champions League match at Camp Nou. Anyway, his record in German football in terms of precocity is, is huge. I think he won Best Foreigner um, at a very young age. He's, he's changed. He's learned a little bit of the language. He's changed his culture. He's had to survive in his own as a kid. My admiration for that is endless. I can't say anything intelligent or judgmental about his lack of inclusion so far because... England have done well. The competition is is extremely high. If you were asking me, Walsh, about like should Sacco not have started? Well, in his Sacco's first start, he was man of the match. Should Sterling have been rested? Well, he's been, done nothing but score goals and, and make a goal last night. I'm a huge Grealish fan. When Grealish was eventually used, I think he's he's made two, and he was the anti-assist, the pre-assist on on a third. It's it, these are tough times for Sancho if if I had a story to tell you there's been you know there's a reason he's misbehaved or you know he had the flu or something like that I would tell you I don't know any such thing and you know viewed from a different perspective maybe you're a United fan and you're super excited to see him playing a lot now so that you can anticipate what's coming after pre-season training then if so then fine but until now if you if you if you don't have any dog in the fight about Jane Sancho all you do is you look at Southgate and say well you've managed this perfectly just about everybody's getting time, subs are contributing and changing games. I wouldn't have an awful lot of complaints about how Jaden's been used so far. And if you do, then follow up. Tell me what your complaints are. Thank you, Stephen. We're moving away from England. Um, there's a question here, Graham. I'm not sure you want to take it on right now, but I want to say thank you to a social that I don't think we've heard from before, Gareth Scriven. Thanks for getting in touch, Gareth. He says, firstly, I think the tournament has been excellent. In Graham's opinion, are there any Euro 2020 players likely to move to the EPL or even the Championship? And I'll add Spanish football once the tournament is over. The um, the movements to be for sure. If I if I knew, I would tell you. Like for example, from Sweden, Isaac is is definitely well quoted amongst Premier League clubs, and understandably so because he's he's probably still available at a price that makes, given his ability and his age makes him look like a bargain. He didn't have a great tournament in that he should have been scoring goals. But that doesn't take away from the fact that he's established that he's a very good footballer. There will undoubtedly be players, I would imagine, across the Switzerland, Denmark, Sweden squads, each of whom in the way have done well. Premier League clubs in particular will be saying that that man was out with our scouting and because scouting is still very patchy, I think, in, in the Premier League. It's, it's getting better, but it's still patchy. So there, there shouldn't be people... Gareth doing scouting at this championship not given the modern technology given the advancement in the industry and there'll be clubs and, and leagues who'll be laughing at people who scout during the championship but there are definitely moves to be coming what I'd rather do is research them and bring this question up in a in a, in a, in a future a big interview at the Euros if that's okay Gareth and we'll have plenty of time to do stuff like that before the new season starts um, just on Gareth's point I mean which of the Spain squad do you think are kind of prime for a, a move abroad whether that's Italy or England or Germany or elsewhere well one of them is playing abroad and I've always thought that Sarabia is an exceptional footballer when I watched him at uh, 
He stood out for me at, at Getafe, but at Seville I thought he was masterful. And I wrote a lot, and I think I used a big interview to talk about when he was leaving Seville, I advocated that people should get in and buy him. Now he's going to Paris Saint-Germain where he tells me he's happy, um, where he's a really injury hit season, plus he had COVID, plus he's fighting to dislodge, you know, either... The, the, over the time there's been Cavani and Icardi and Di Maria... Neymar is another position. It's it's it's. I knew there was another guy, Neymar. I, I don't know if anything will come of him. I would be in and trying to say as PSG, you know, change your FFP situation and and sell him. He, I think he's absolutely wonderful. I wonder if Laporte now, having tasted a, a a tournament, is an important starter. Either wants to do a stones and stay and fight for his position and win it back at City, or wants to go and play somewhere constantly. Pau Torres is, is a partial answer to Gareth in that I'm not willing to say which clubs, but two two people, one in, in at the head of a European scouting organisation in a club, um, in a big club in, in England, and the other one, a, a director of football in a big club in England, have both asked me specifically about Pau Torres. And Pau's tournament has been OK by his standards. It's a first tournament. He's still a very junior international. And, you know, he's had a breakthrough season because he was fundamental in winning the Europa League. Fundamental if you look across the 11 or 12 games that they played. And he is he is decidedly wanted again. I mean, Gareth, this is all I was trying to do before. Neil's put me back in the mix again and it's starting to come back to me. I, Varane, again, is somebody who I have had a detailed conversation with the leading Premier League club about as far back as April. I would say another player who hasn't featured a lot for Spain, Fabian Ruiz, will be on the move. I don't think that he feels wanted at Napoli. He remains a very good footballer, hasn't been his tournament, but he's another one who, who can be snapped up and who can really play football. After the break, we're going to move on to the um, semi-final in which Graham's time, I think, will be more invested over the coming days, Italy versus Spain. More on that coming soon. First, this quick break. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive & June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive & June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Well, 
Welcome back. We have a ton of questions on Spain, unsurprising really. But first, one on Italy from Finley McDonald in Iona. Finley asks, will Emerson offer a similar threat to Spinazzola? Can Italy keep the ball as efficiently against a team that also dominate possession? Graham, you've spoken um, quite a great deal on Spinazzola, who's been one of the most watchable players of the tournament so far. And whatever you thought about his performances for Italy, absolutely heartbreaking to see that young guy being carried off the pitch in tears in the quarterfinal. Yeah, just in case we've got new listeners, uh, all, all I disliked was the, the hysteria over a left-back who, particularly in the first game when he won a man of the match, missed opportunities because he didn't trust his left foot. Undoubtedly, his galloping enthusiasm and the urgency that he brought to the play, he was always an outlet in, in that role that Mancini gave him to, to not just to have boundless energy to be up and down, but to, to be clever about when you go and when you don't and occasionally during the tournament he did begin to use his left foot a little bit once you once you start to build the other elements on, t- on top of the foundations I want the foundations to be right and they, with him they were right rather than left and Spinazzola I, I think people were beginning to build him as player of the tournament and that for me would have been odd yeah sad to see him go uh, Finley Emerson's played so little football recently with um, Chelsea. I, I don't know what difference it's going to bring. I honestly don't know. In theory, he, he should be bouncing full of energy and able to run all night. No problem. Whatever qualms I had about Spinazzola's use of his left foot, he was an integral part of the identity of that team. That's something that's for sure. They, they've lost more than just the individual footballer. He was the piece that fitted. He was the an, often an outball. He would help other players out. So... I guess that however Emerson plays Finley, it's a loss. It's a proper loss. And like Neil said, we're sad for the the guy himself. Absolutely, for sure we are. And I've learned from managers. I've never understood it, but I've learned from managers. Good managers always say when there's a player missing, and then I say, I wish, I wish they were at full strength. I don't know why they say it, but they all say it, and they always say it. So, um, you know, I'm going to be one of them and say, I wish he was playing Finley. There you go, baby. Has to change the way Spain approached the game. Let's get on to Spain now. Here's Daniel Hanna. Hi Graham, loving the coverage. How on God's green earth is Thiago not starting? He really does have the ability to make that final pass in a high pressure moment and I'm not sure there's anyone better. I know you're a big fan, but I feel Coque has been slightly disappointing. So, does Thiago not fit the system, asks Daniel? Is he not Enrique's type? Certainly in those games that become super congested and, and they are looking for that unlocking pass, you can imagine little Thiago coming up the goods. Danny Boy, I'm really happy that you're enjoying this. Um, by the latter stages of um, extra time the other day in St. Petersburg, I was as confused as you because it was precision that they were lacking. It, it wasn't pitch position. It wasn't domination. It wasn't even chance creation, but it was quality of chance creation and, and, and precision. And pausa, the thing that we talked about way at the start of the, the tournament, that that ability to make everything slow down and you look as if you've got all the time in the world when it's actually, you know, mayhem around you and Thiago's got that. I'm certain that one of the things that's on Lucian Ricci's mind is that midfield of Pedri, Busquets and Thiago, for example, is not one that's got a lot of athletic ability chasing back. Pedri's work ethic at this tournament has been brilliant and in a longer distance, his Pedri's sprint is not all that quick. But I've noticed that in a longer distant trot, if he has to if he has to jockey somebody, he's going to have better speed over 
30, 40 metres than I'd anticipated. His, his sprint over 10, 12 metres is not such. So it's all about his brain and all about his reading. And I, and I think Luis Enrique reckons that with a midfield of Pedri and Busquets and Thiago, if they get turned or if the ball gets put through them or over them, there isn't the same work ethic as Koke has. And Koke has been... I'm, I'm a bit surprised you think he's been disappointing. I, th- I thought that almost right across the midfield against Switzerland, for the first time in this tournament, tiredness showed. And they, they did look as if... Like for example, Llorente would have, would have been a change I would have made much sooner. And his ability to... Not just the ability to judge when to run beyond or what he does with it once he's beyond, which is assists and goals. I, I do agree with you that your entry for Koki could have happened sooner, but across the tournament, Koki's been very, very good. Very good. And the degree of uh, bodyguard protection he's given Busquets has elevated the way that Busquets has played, in my opinion. Luis Enrique talked about bringing uh, Thiago and Rodri on specifically for penalties and taking off players who he thought might not want a penalty or might be exhausted and... Pedri was one of them and the idea was, you know, listen kid, you can do just about everything but I'm not going to put you in a penalty shootout aged 18 and risk you missing it and carrying that about with you. So, Thiago's kind of been brought on as a... I'm not being derogatory about Luis Enrique but it was a special teams idea if you watch the NFL. Thanks, Daniel. Chris Hennigan asks about Pedri. I found your description of Pedri fascinating, says Chris. Could he be described almost as a footballer both out of time and yet of his time? A footballer with a grace and natural languidity more akin to yesteryear, but also a unique talent in an era that favours pace, power and heat maps. You've spoken an awful lot, Graham, about Pedri, but do you recognise that description from Chris? Yeah, I, do. I mean, everything about him um, screams the era that I grew up in, where ball players stood over the ball with their socks rolled down, their backs slightly hunched, arms out, and went, come and get it, come on. This isn't a match now, this is me and you. Come and see if you can take this ball from me. That's what I grew up watching. I, I don't know where to go with this because I think I've used all all the words that I fundamentally believe. You've, you've given me you've given me an idea of how you can take it someplace new. Um, as you know, I'm a big baseball fan these days, and one of the things that they do when they're scouting players is find historical comparison points, which lets people understand what kind of player they think this guy is going to turn into. So you're talking about Pedri's kind of like historical precedents. You know, what players does he make you think of when you see him play? No, no, I could do that now. Chris Waddle. You know, Chris could could pick up Pedri and put him in his pocket because one of the great things about Chris was, like Valeron, like Zidane, he's, he's a big man. Chris would talk about exactly the distance he wanted to be from his rival with the ball at his feet when he went, come on in, have, have a little go. I'm going this, no, I've gone that way. You're not even close. Buy a ticket and you'll get back in the stadium. Pedri's got some of that. Pedri will hunch over the ball a little bit and, and it'll be like, you know, a big bird nesting an egg. This is mine. You're not getting anywhere. It's my family. And then he'll, he'll do something whereby the ball has gone with a little flip pass or he'll turn, he'll show one way. And I talked to him about it. I asked him about it directly. And he said, yeah, it's street football. I like to just invent it on the pitch when I see the guy opposite me. One of the great things that I used to defend Neymar a lot about is Pedri doesn't do any of this for show. Sure, Neymar does some of his stuff for show. But largely his tricks are aimed at either getting a man booked, taunting them into doing something rash, or getting space for his team. And Pedri's, all of his gyrating, all of his quick feet, all of this, the number of times... He, again, you said precedence. He reminds me of Deco in that Deco used to get a lot of deflected goals. And people say, you know, just a fluke. And he, Deco said, no, look, the reason I score is I know when to shoot. And if it goes in off somebody, that's because I'm shooting in an area where the keeper doesn't know what's coming. And very often what will happen is it'll go through a leg, it'll just go over a boot, or it'll go in off somebody because I know what I'm doing. 
and you're like, and dribblers, you'll, again and again, you're like, whoa, how did he come out? Petri will, will like go underwater with a football or go underwater with a, a balloon or something like that and then pop up again. So you go in a crowd of players and you're like, oh, they're going to go, whoa, he's away again. How did he get out of that? And it's supernatural that anybody's got that brain and vision at that age. It, it, it's as if he's been born again and he's played every match that he's been in so far before. And he's like, now nah, I remember this. I know what's going to happen. Bye-bye. Deco, brilliant shout. As soon as you said that name, I could instantly see the two of them in a split screen, honestly. Ian Body asks, no doubt the Spanish press will be publishing pictures of a bloodied Lucho in a famous encounter with Italy as a player between now and Tuesday and seeking venganza. How do you see it playing out this time around? Italy have looked impressive to now, but will Lucho get his revenge? Um, second part of Ian's question, you know, obviously we're going to be having at least one, probably two, close to the game preview pods on Spain Italy. So let's not get too much into how it's going to play out, but specifically, well, first of all, can you give a sort of potted background of the exact instant that Ian's talking about? And is that the kind of thing that um, us or Marco are going to blow up on the front page before the game? Yeah, they're, they're as as regular as... Um, no, I was going to use the scatological there. They're, they're as regular as, as night following day, I'm glad. I very usually... I've got a little committee of men in my head going, tick, yes, send that word out, that one out as well, that one out. There's more words coming, send them out. But somebody in the committee said, no, 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 not those words. He's probably been sacked by the rest of them now, but the little men in my head stopped me there. Um, as night follows day, they will, they will splatter Luis Enrique's bloody face all over as many pages as they can get away with. For those who don't remember, it was USA 94. I think it was maybe a quarterfinal. And again, I'm, I'm improvising here because I didn't know this is coming up. I think it was Tassotti who elbowed Luis Enrique right in the face, splattered his nose. There's Clara everywhere. And the referee, I can't even remember if he, if he, if he books him. And it's, it's subsequently the referee is hauled over the coals and the Atsuri villain, I think, was banned for seven matches subsequently by FIFA because it was so clear, you know, one of the first uses of um, video evidence back in 94. And, and Spain lose. And, and they were on top in the game. I think they'd gone down, they equalised. And Spain lose um, late in the game. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing here, Bodmeister, to, to, I think to a Baggio goal. And look, I think it changed the, the, the shape of the game. I think it distracted Luis Enrique hugely. I have been in a press conference room where Luis Enrique has been asked about being drawn against Italy again. Or maybe it was an Italian team for for uh, Barcelona and, and Tassotti. That, that's more likely to be it. Maybe, maybe Barca drew Milan and Tassotti was on the board or something like that. He was an assistant coach. And Luis Enrique was having none of it. Not like, don't speak about it. He was like, it's gone. Forgotten about it. You know, that's, and, and to be honest with you, he's so intense. If you start trying to pick up on him on six months ago and, and vendettas and vengeance, that, that's, that's not how he is. So the, the rest of Spain will make a lot of it, but they've played umpteen times since then, you know, for better and worse for Spain. And never mind to sort of Italy with a bet noir that ended to it. They might lose Spain in this game, but Italy are no longer the bet noir. Um, that that's a fact and haven't been since 2008 but we've got time between now and kickoff to talk about that issue final question from our socios comes from Gustavo Bagatini hi Gustavo are expectations for Spain too high now we forget they were perennial underachievers in the 80s and 90s but the Aragonet del Bosque era changed that perception 
and made the Spanish national team a global brand. Looking at the squad now, I contend that they have a few elite players getting just beyond their prime, promising youngsters with limited experience at this level, and a core group in their prime age in football terms. But the guys in their prime just do not seem to be anywhere near as good as the 08 to 12 crowd. Gustavo, I really like your description a lot. I'm just going to intercede and say that as we're speaking, um, Barcelona have loaned Trincao to Wolves, which is mind-blowing to me. Wolves, you've got a right good player there. I thought a par score in golf terms for Spain was the quarterfinals. So they've gone under par, um, and kudos to them for reaching the semi-final. I, I think the bookies will make Italy favourites, pr- probably strong favourites in a two-horse race. It, it's, been a, it's been a coming of age for a lot of footballers. Again, I agree with you about that. I believed that they had the verve and they had the self-confidence to win the tournament. And, and deep down, there's still a little bit of that in me, Gustavo. I, I, and particularly, if they if they overcome the semi-final, I'll be tipping them to win the final. And I don't care if it's England. And, and it'll suit Italy too, so I'm not saying this is an advantage to Spain. They're going to love the Wembley pitch. Compared to what they've been playing on, particularly St. Petersburg. There's not been in the... Kartuka wasn't great, but St. Petersburg was spongy and strange. So... One, your description about Spain is is perfect. I wish I'd used it before. Two, I think they've already. I think they can already go home so long as they give their utmost against Italy with heads held high. But I cannot douse the idea that they might be outsider winners of this tournament. I just can't get rid of that yet. But outsider winners, they are they they are not favourites going into the semi final. Thank you, Gustavo. Thank you to all our socios who sent in their questions. It's really made this. Um, a super fun episode of the podcast to record with Graham, who only has one more job to do, and that is to pick his Bet365 Player of the Day. Graham, seeing as we're giving a, an overview of the entire sort of quarterfinal phase of the tournament, I want you to think back over these four games and try and come up with one outstanding individual to give this award to. Yeah, it's it's not um, an easy task because I, I think we've been spoiled a little bit in terms of um, entertainment. I would argue that one of the candidates is Jan Sommer. Um, and I love the way that Unai Simon, being given the Heineken Star of the Match Award, so well, I'd have given this to Jan Sommer, which is absolutely brilliant. Who did I enjoy most um, for England last night? I, I really did enjoy the way that, that Shaw played. Denmark, yeah, I really liked them. Schmeichel had a game. It looks like I'm a little bit set on keepers. Italy, Belgium, Daku was nice, wasn't he, Neil? Did, did, we, did we like him? He, he stood out, but we've we've already we've already given him a most likely to surprise award, and his trophy case is too small to take another one right now. So I am going to go to a straight fight up between Mikkel Oyarzabal for the way in which he tucked his penalty away, or Unai Simon. There's my bet 365 man of the day. It's a typical narrative from from villain to hero. He wasn't ever the villain, but he did make an awful patsy of Pedri's back pass. And that was one of the most embarrassing goals you'll ever concede. Please, God, don't let him give away another one at Wembley on Tuesday night to make my uh, words seem redundant so quickly. And it isn't even just for his saves, but the way in which he celebrated. Uh, And in in his flash interview, he was jumping up and down, hopping from toe to toe. The words were a jumble, a hot lava jumble coming out of his mouth. It's what football is meant to provide us with. Great, great skill, great self-determination, and then sheer, unadulterated, naked excitement. Look, Mum, look, Mum, I did it. That's our show for today, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. 
and we'll be back with a whole bunch of shows as we get to the juicy bit of Euro 2020 for now I'll be having a great summer of sport thanks for listening planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.